I think the only failure is not trying and not trying to do your best and not being true to you. Other than that, like, you can't go wrong. Hi, my name is Avina Desai, and on behalf of Herrick's ECS, I would like to welcome you to the second episode of our alumni series. The purpose of this series is to bring some of our successful alumni back to Herrick's virtually with all of their experience and advice to help you figure out what lies beyond your four years at the high school. The featured alumni of our second episode is Julia Ahrens, who is the CEO and co-founder of Mia Coda, a sustainable and ethical fashion brand. Ms. Ahrens, we've loved speaking with you, but I'm sure the audience would love to hear your introduction for themselves. Hey guys, how's it going? My name's Julia, and I'm the co-owner and designer of Mia Coda. Mia Coda is an ethical, sustainable, and uh, eco-friendly fashion company. We specialize in women's clothing that's comfy so you can feel good while supporting a good cause. Wow, I absolutely love that message. Can you tell us a little bit more about your time at Herrick's? It was actually really great for me freshman year because when I was a freshman, my sister, who's the other co-founder of Neocoda, was a senior, so I knew all of her friends. So it felt very welcoming and very like supportive to have all these people that I already knew in school with me. I was also in stack and got in in my freshman year, so that uh, gave me a good sense of community, especially amongst all of the grades. I felt very like at ease because it wasn't like I was just walking into this whole big new school without knowing anybody or just my grade. It was like nice to see a lot of familiar faces and a lot of people I knew across all grades. Um, it made it a lot less scary because I know freshman year can be really scary and really daunting. I can definitely relate. I think that it's incredible that you were able to come into high school knowing you weren't alone because many people aren't so lucky. Beyond your sister's involvement in Stack, what else drew you to join? They just do such cool things and also I'm very interested in the arts. Having a clothing company, I went to an art college, a design college, and I was in jazz band. I played the trumpet. I always loved art. I used to dance back in middle school and high school. I did ballet, theater dance, and tap dance. So it was just, it was so many of the things that I really love to do all compiled into one program. And knowing so many of the kids who were in the program, I just really got along with them and really clicked with them and wanted to be part of them and to learn everything the staff has to offer. And it definitely fulfilled all my hopes and wishes. Can I just say how impressive it is that you can tap dance? I mean, I've taken dance for years, but tap is one of those styles I don't think I could ever do. Was there ever a class you wish you got to take? Mia Stack takes up so many periods of the day. There are lots of things, like I never had a lunch period and I always wanted that time to like hang out with kids in my grade and like be, be with my friends and stuff like that. And I never had a free period until like after AP classes were over in senior year of high school. But um, I also know that we had fashion design classes back in high school too, but I never got to take them because they also conflicted with my other classes. It was really hard to schedule around having so many periods of your day taken up by one class, but it was definitely worth it. <laughs> it's actually really interesting that you didn't take fashion design in high school. You know, I feel like knowing your profession, most people would just assume you've taken it. In a way, it kind of goes to show you don't really need to know where you want to go to end up there. Exactly, and I didn't really get into fashion design until I would say my sophomore year. I really never thought about it before, but yeah, you'd kind of assume that that would have been like the class that I needed to take, but I actually mm -hmm. never took it. I think that'll serve as an important lesson to our younger audiences about the 
completely unnecessary pressure they place on themselves to have everything figured out the minute they enter the high school. Oh yeah, 100%. You definitely don't need to know exactly what you want to do immediately as soon as you start high school. And I think there's so much pressure on that. Um, and I remember like, even when I decided what I wanted to do, I was still encouraged by like guidance counselors to explore other options, see if there were any other avenues I wanted to go down. And even when I got to college, like I knew I wanted to do fashion design, but it wasn't until my senior year of college that I realized that I really cared about sustainability and ethics and design. I think definitely uh, being open and exploring different avenues and just trying as much stuff as interests you. Like you don't have to try everything, but as long as you try everything that interests you, you'll figure out what you want to do. And there's really like, there's so many people who don't even know what they want to do after college. And that's why there's grad school and other things and training programs and all different sorts of things. I know so many people that I uh, went to college with who aren't doing fashion design anymore and are doing totally different things, but have incorporated stuff that they learned in college and high school into their new career. I definitely agree. And I think that's something that's almost universal among our alumni and what they wish they had known prior to entering into the high school. I really think it's going to help so many of our younger viewers when thinking about their future. Speaking of the future, what was it like planning for yours and applying to colleges when you were a senior? Like while I was in high school, I actually took classes at FIT on the weekends and during the summer. And I also did a summer intensive at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. Since I had taken those classes, it really like secured for me that that was something I wanted to do. And uh, I knew I wanted to stay in New York because the best design schools are in New York, aside from Europe and other countries. And I knew I didn't want to go that far away. So um, FIT, Pratt and Parsons were my top three. And I applied to all of them with like a bunch of safety schools and other schools just in case I didn't get into one of them. I ended up getting into all three and it was the hardest decision. I remember telling my parents like, I'm so stressed. I don't know what school to choose. And they're like, Julia, you have to think rationally. You have such a good situation. You get to choose what school you get to go to, not what school chose you. And I was like, you don't understand how stressful this is. Pratt, FIT, and Parsons. If I'm going to be completely honest, I don't know much about fashion, but I do know how prestigious all three of those design schools are, and it goes to speak volumes about your skill level. Yet, I'm, I'm sure you still felt the pressure when you were waiting to hear back. In some ways, the top fashion design schools parallel the Ivies for others. How did you cope when you were feeling the pressure and you were worried you wouldn't get into your first choice schools? So when I was accepted to my first college, I kind of like looked into it and like, although it wasn't my first choice, my second choice or my third choice, I like made myself kind of fall in love with that school and like look at all the opportunities that it presented that maybe like my top schools didn't offer and to be like, oh wow, well, if this is where I end up, this will be a great option. And you know what's actually really funny? One of the girls that I went to college with, um, she actually transferred to a less prestigious design school because she wanted to move back home to be with her family. She didn't like being in New York and she's mm -hmm. doing amazing things now. She owns her own company. And I think it just goes to show that like you can make the decision that you want to go to an IV and maybe it's not a good uh, fit for you. And then you end up transferring to like maybe a school that isn't as prestigious and it could be such a good fit for you. It really is what you make out of it. And it's not so much where you end up, but how you deal with that situation. You can go anywhere and become anything you want to be if you really put the time, dedication, and work into it. It doesn't have to be dictated for you. You can dictate it for yourself. That was beautifully put, and I 100% agree. So what was it like going to school 
at Parsons, which was one of your top three choices. So we had a class called CORE, and it was pretty much like the core meat of our education. I really loved most of my classes. There were a few classes that I was like, oh, I really don't want to go to this class today. But I think CORE, where I learned how to actually design, how to actually sew and put together a garment, those were so fun because you actually get to be creative and use your skills. I can 100% see the appeal of being able to create what you want and focus on the skills you want to improve. I think it's one of the best blessings you can get as an artist. As a future designer, I'm sure you not only had to put your skills to the test at school, but also at internships. So what was it like interning at Club Monaco? Oh, it was a paid internship, so I got my own desk, I got my own computer, I got my own email, and I was really like a member on the team. And it was such a great learning experience because it was great to see like how things actually go into production and how stuff actually gets made and the actual real design process outside of design school where like you think you know what you're doing and you think you know how things work. But actually like being on a team and seeing how things really do work was really amazing. And I felt like I was actually like an employee there and that I was actually like on a team and it was really, it was the best internship. Do you have any words of advice for someone who may be listening and is trying to secure their first fashion internship? Um, my first internship was actually with a really small company called Wink. And I kind of was like a messenger for them. I'd go back and forth to the factory. I'd sit there and wait for stuff to be made. I'd bring them checks. I'd bring them buttons. I would like sew labels into clothing for them. And it was really like... Um, like during the time that I was there, I was like, oh, they're just kind of sending me around. They're not really teaching me anything, but actually just watching and learning um, and absorbing the situation that you're in teaches you so much. And when I actually got to my first year of fashion design classes at Parsons, I was like, wow, I didn't realize how much I learned from that. So I think just taking every opportunity to be like, oh, this is a learning experience and I might not feel like I'm getting a lot out of it now, but maybe in the future I'll be like, oh, wow, and have that aha moment. I really think that's important advice that people often take for granted because we're so eager to dive in headfirst that we fail to understand the basics that we need to know. Since Club Monaco is a fast fashion brand, where did your interest in ethical and sustainable fashion begin? In fashion design school, I was so into like designer shoes, designer clothing, like you like being like, oh, this person's a Parsons alumni, I wear their clothing, this person went to this school, and like just like the weirdest designers and the weirdest I wore like five inch heels every day, like totally different than how I am now. But like, I loved it. And I would always buy designer shoes and they would be leather. And I remember I got so many people being like, you're a vegetarian, but you wear leather. Don't you see the disconnect there? And I would get so defensive and be like, I'm doing the best I can. Like I care about animals, leave me alone. And I decided that I wanted to give up wearing leather shoes and I was only going to buy non-leather shoes from now on. I was like, if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to go vegan. And I didn't really even know what vegan meant or what vegan entailed. But when I started looking into it, it was a lot about ethics and sustainability and factory farming and animal agriculture. And it really made me more interested in eating organic. Um, I started doing yoga and it started, I learned a lot about ethics and the tenets of yoga in my practice. And I started like looking at my life and being like, how can I live in alignment with these morals and values that I'm developing and that I'm growing? And I learned about the like horrible stuff that happens in the fashion industry, which I had overlooked because I just, it was like the status quo. And I was like, I don't want to support that. I love fashion design, but I care more about the planet, people and animals. 
And I want to merge those two things together. I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up. And it's crazy that people are beginning to recognize the issues that are related to how their food is made, but still haven't made that connection to fashion. Is there a life-changing moment that really reiterated the importance of being ethical and sustainable for you? It was the first summer I'd gone vegan. It was actually my internship at Club Monaco. I was interning in their accessories department, and I, um, I had to do stuff for shoes, belts, and handbags. And most of that stuff is made out of leather. Like a new vegan, reading all this vegan stuff, all these vegan books. So I was, like, raging with vegan energy. <laughs> and uh, they gave me a stack of leather pieces of leather. And they said, will you staple these to, like, each design? And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is somebody's skin. This is somebody's body. And I was so disturbed. And, like, while I was doing it, like, I was, like, next to tears. I was like, oh my God, like, I can't do this. I can't work for a company that does this. Oh my gosh, that sounds awful. You know, I think most people, including myself, don't really stop to think about how a single piece of clothing ends up in the store for them to purchase, much less recognize the differences between fast fashion and ethical and sustainable fashion. The main difference would be how much people are paid and how their working conditions are. So often stuff is made overseas. There are sweatshops in America. But these people, especially overseas, sometimes make 10, 20 cents an hour. And it's, it's really modern day slavery. And mm. they make such a little amount of money, but they're like, they need the money. And the sad thing is that these big brands have the money that they could pay them a living wage that would be cheaper than paying a living wage in New York. Like I do all my production in New York and minimum wage in Manhattan is $15 an hour. There are these big brands like, Forever 21, H&M, who have the money that they could pay, let's say, people in Cambodia, which maybe a living wage would be $5 an hour. They could afford to up the price of their clothing and pay more to these workers and really make a huge difference in these marginalized communities. It's honestly heartbreaking to hear that larger companies that have more than enough resources aren't willing to treat the workers who made them so successful in the first place properly. Along with uncovering the hidden truth behind fast fashion, what made you and your sister want to co-found Miyakota? All the brands that I wanted to work for were really small. They had like a team of maybe one or two people. They were small like how Miyakota is and they weren't hiring and they didn't have the budget to hire. And there were very few brands. There's maybe like two or three brands that were doing stuff that I was like, wow, they're doing cool stuff. They're really like aligned with my morals and values. So I turned to my mom, my dad, my sister, I was like, I'm so stressed, I don't know what I want to do. I just went to school for fashion design, but now I feel like I want to work on an animal sanctuary. Like, this is so stressful. And my sister said, if you're looking for this and you can't find it in the market, there has to be other people who feel the same way as you and who are looking for the same thing as you. Why don't we start something? And I was like, that's a genius idea. It's extremely commendable that you're able to own up to the fact that it didn't agree with your morals, because as exciting as it is, it's also scary to start your own company. I'm sure it feels incredibly rewarding to know your hard work has finally paid off. And I was actually looking through your website earlier, and can I just say your clothes are stunning, and I definitely recommend everyone listening checks them out. But there was also something else that caught my attention, and it was honestly super refreshing to see. The clothes were modeled by women of all skin types and body types, and it made me so happy because you rarely see that kind of diversity when you're online shopping. I think that it's so important to have different standards of beauty I'm not 5'10 and size double zero like the standard model that walks the runway and I always found it so like disheartening when like I would 
uh, go on a website and I'd see like a model wearing like a pair of jeans and she's like really skinny long legs and I'm like that's not what I look like like how are they going to look on me and I think representing first of all there's so much lack of representation in the media and even just to have someone who looks like it an average everyday person who's like a beautiful person who's a great model and a great person it's so much more than what you look like and being able to represent different standards of beauty makes me feel good about myself and it makes me feel like hey i'm looking at images of people who are bigger than me smaller than me the same size as me darker than me lighter than me with the same hair as me long hair short hair straight hair pink hair and like it makes me feel like better about myself and i want to bring that to the community that like you don't have to look one way to be beautiful. I agree and I think that it's so important that young people recognize that they are more than enough and that they are more than beautiful just the way that they are. Where do you find your inspiration for designing your clothes, seeing as they're so versatile and truly made for all body types? Definitely my community, I think more so than any specific designer. It's also the people who wear Miyakota and them telling me how it feels and what they would like to see and how they would like me to like fulfill what they're looking for in a brand. I think that's what inspires me the most, definitely community. It's truly inspiring to see that you're able to draw so much inspiration from the people around you because ultimately, that's who you're designing for. How would you say that Herricks has shaped your experiences and impacted your journey with Miyakota? Growing up in a community that's so diverse really helped me realize that like, hey, these are my friends, this is my community, these are the people I want to serve. And going from there to like create the beauty standards that Miyakota endorses, stuff like that I think really had an impact. And like I talked to other people and they're like, oh, you had went to school with people of this religion or this ethnicity, like we didn't have any of those in our school. And I'm like, we were so diverse, like no one cared it. Like I don't think it hurts, at least from my experience, no one cared what ethnicity you were, no one cared the color of your skin. It was about like, are you the friend that I want to have? Do I like you? Not about like anything else. I'm extremely happy to report that that still rings true today about the Herricks community. Throughout listening to your story, I found myself feeling extremely inspired because you were able to take your passion and turn it into a career regardless of how quote-unquote unconventional it may seem to other people. How important would you say it is to have a practical job and how much should you factor that in when you're taking a leap of faith and taking a chance on yourself? Oh my gosh, I totally factored it in. I was so scared, but I was also so naive, which really helped. Like when I started me in Coda, I was 21 years old. I had no idea what I was talking about. Like even if like you mess up and it doesn't go according to plan, there are so many successful entrepreneurs who their final venture isn't the one that they started with. Like you might start with something and might fail, but as long as you keep standing up, you're not a failure because you're still trying. And even if that means, let's say tomorrow I close Miyakota's doors and go work for another company, that doesn't mean I was a failure. It means I tried to do something, it didn't work out, and I tried something else. And maybe that will work out or maybe I'll try something else after that. I think the only failure is not trying and not trying to do your best and not being true to you. Other than that, like, you can't go wrong. Miss Ahrens, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. I really believe that your story is one that all of our listeners will be able to learn from and that the work that you are doing is making the change that we need. Yes, this is really so fun and so great to talk to another Herrick kid and just like connect with you guys and like still be part of Herrick. I like I love Herrick so much. So it was really my honor and I'm so grateful that you guys brought me on to this podcast. It's so fun to talk with you. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, 
our second episode of the alumni podcast series has come to a close. If there's one thing I hope you take away from this podcast, it's the importance of taking a leap of faith and not being afraid to take a chance on yourself, even if you're the only person to do so. If you have a passion, turn it into your reality. And if you're still not sure where you want to end up or what you want to do, that's okay. Say yes to every opportunity because you never know where it may take you. A special thank you to Miss Julia Orens for her time and for sharing her incredible story. We hope that these podcasts provide a bit of light and guidance during these difficult times and that it reminds you that new pads can be found in uncertain situations. Thank you so much for tuning in to our second episode and we hope that you stay safe and healthy. Brought to you by Herrick's ECS. Thank <laughs> you.